All right, I'm back. If you are hearing this, you've once again tuned into the Consequence of Habit podcast. Uh, JT here, and I've got a problem with consistency. Anyone who's been waiting for the next podcast to come out, I, first of all, I want to say I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, anyone who's reached out to, to check on me, make sure everything's everything's okay, I want to say thank you. Um, to be completely honest, I had to step away from this for just a short period of time to kind of reevaluate things. Um, you know, I started this thing to, to help others, to help myself. And at some point, man, I feel like I started confusing that with likes and downloads and and the wrong things. Maybe I'll dive deeper in that in a, I don't know, maybe a solo podcast or something, but I don't want to talk about too much because I don't want it to take away from, uh, from my guest and, and, and what his message is about. Uh, this guy's, this guy's been a 12 year fireman. Um, and he's been dealing with some tough stuff. You know, no one calls the fire fire department because they're having a good day. You know, you're just, man, these guys are just consistently showing up and seeing some of the worst things out there. So he he went to some dark places. You know, he was injured on the job, and I'm not talking about physically. But what's great about it is he's he's candid. He talks about it. he's trying to bring he's trying to bring light to uh, to the topic of PTSD. Listen to the guy to raise awareness. He's running the Miami Marathon in full fireman turnout gear. That's 70 pounds. I'm talking air tanks, helmets. Well, I mean, helmet. He's not wearing more than one. I mean, he's wearing one helmet, but um, yeah, I, my back hurts thinking about it. And not only that, he was just the nicest guy. I mean, I talked to this guy for, I don't know, half an hour prior to the podcast, a couple of weeks ago, and dude, I, had to, I had to shut it down. I had to shut the conversation down because I just felt like we were covering stuff that should have been covered on the podcast and not two guys just yapping on the phone. Uh, so let's get this thing started. I, 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 I want to welcome Rusty Wiles. All right, we are here with uh, Rusty Wiles. Rusty, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks so much for having me, dude. I want to jump right into the Miami Marathon coming up in, in February. And uh, <laughs> if you could just explain to everybody, one, why you're doing it, and two, uh, your attire for the marathon. Sure. Yeah, so I've been a fireman uh, going on almost 13 years now. Um and so just a little bit of a backstory for it. Uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD last year and completely blindsided by it. Um, I didn't know what was going on with me. Um, and we can get into all of that in, in a minute, but, uh, the main reason why I'm, I'm doing this marathon, um, there's a group of Miami firefighters, which is about two hours to the South of me. Um, they lost one of their brothers back in 2015 from PTSD. He took his own life and, um, they organized this group called PTSD Never Walk, Never Walk Alone. So they have been walking the Miami Half Marathon in full fire, firefighter bunker gear with an air pack. So that's the gear that we wear when we go in on a house fire um, with an air pack, which is another probably 35 pounds. So you're looking, I mean, you know, different gear, different types of air packs. You got 60 or 70 pounds on you easy. And the thing about our gear is – it protects us from the heat of fires, right? right? Well, it also doesn't let your body mm -hmm. heat out. So it, it drains you. It, it drains you pretty quick. So they asked me, they found out about me. We, we went back and forth on Instagram and kind of sharing stuff. And um, they asked me if I would come and join them this coming year in February to walk the Miami Half Marathon. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I, the turnout's getting bigger and bigger. They're starting to get firefighters from all over the country. So I just, I don't know, a couple months ago, I was like, you know what, man, I want to go one more step further and I'm planning on running the entire marathon. So 26.2 miles in my full gear with an air pack, my helmet. Now I'm not wearing my bunker boots. I'm going to wear a pair of right. sneakers right. 
but uh, yeah, I think, I th- yeah, man. So I think that's acceptable. Gear. It's funny. You know, <laughs> I, I've told other people that you're coming on and I, you know, I was explaining because like you said, you're a first responder and, and people, a lot of people will know you not from being a first responder, but from, from your photography and we can get into that. But, uh, and, you know, I explain who you are and I see the, the guy's running a marathon um, like, oh, that's great. You know, I say it's to raise awareness for PTSD and they go, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I go, I'm not done. The, the, the guy's doing it in 70 pounds a year and they're blown away by it. I mean, it just sounds, it sounds like a pretty daunting task. And so these guys, you said they don't know yet. The, the, the guys. Yeah, no, um, I, I haven't mentioned it to them yet. I, I just, there's something I thought about maybe two or three months ago and, um, I just wanted to make sure that I'm up for it. So I know it's a mental battle, man. Like that's, that's what I love about running. You have to be conditioned. Of course, you've got to have the fitness and and the right nutrition and recovery, man. That's what drew drew me in originally to ultra running. It's a mind, Mm -hmm. it's a mind game. So if I go in there telling myself that I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And, And that's where I'm at now. So I've just started trying to ramp my training up. However, I know it's summertime and it's hot everywhere. Florida, it's, it's ridiculous with the humidity here, man. You walk outside to get some out of your car and you sweat right. immediately. So, yeah, I'm feeling it, but I'm just, just starting to ease into it, into getting the, the mileage in. And um, I'm going to be ordering a, a weight vest here soon, just like a 45-pound vest. And I'm going to start going out on my runs with that to start getting – yeah, yeah that was my forward. next question is how, how much running are you actually doing with, with weight? It's not like you can go run on a regular basis with 70 pounds and, and expect to last very long. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that was, I was wondering how, how much weight actual running are you doing now? I, you know, I, none of that so far. So, so I've got a hundred K plan before that in, in December. And, and just so everybody knows, I've only running for like barely two years. Like I'm, I, I was a bodybuilder for a long time. I was like 280 wow. pounds. I mean, I was a big dude and I blew my shoulder out and all that. So, um, I got into running and, um, I was like 265 pounds when I first started. I'm down to about 225. My goal is to probably hit about 190, wow. 200. So I'm, I'm still a pretty big dude. Um, so yeah, the, the plan is, uh, as the months go on, um, I'm just going to get some gear and probably just go to like yeah. a track. We have a, a track here in town. Yeah. Cause it's going to be weird, man. People are going to be seeing me running around in bucker gear. Like what in the right. world is this Insane. guy doing? So, um, I'm going to talk to our shop and just see if there's an old air pack and, and bottle that I can have. And, and yeah, just start trying to get used to running in it. I'm used to working mm-hmm. in it, but running's a yeah. whole nother animal, yeah. man, in the, in this type of gear that we yeah. wear. So, yeah, I'm gonna start cranking miles out in it, and and again, it's 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 gonna be brutal. Um, I'm pretty sure people have done it before. I can't be the first guy that's ever thought of this, so I'm sure somebody's had to have done yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I haven't heard of it, but I, I I tell you what, I mean, I respect the fact of like you put it out there because you know there's yeah. a lot of times people put stuff out there and and um you know following through is a, a whole nother it's a whole nother thing. So. Well, that's the thing, dude. I'm on your show right yeah. now, so it's going out. So <laughs> there's no backing out now, man. So yeah, that's it's, great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's to, to raise awareness for something. Um, and, and this is what I, one of the re- reasons I really want to get you on here is, um, I'm a huge supporter of the first responders, um, military guys. And I just had a guy on yesterday, uh, a military guy, and we're talking about PTSD, um, and, and how yeah. it's, how it is either being addressed or, or lack thereof uh, and, and how it needs a lot more awareness than it's getting. So let's, let's go through your story a little bit, if you don't mind. And, and just tell me, sure. shut up if I'm pushing, no. uh, you know, going into an areas you don't want to go into, but, um, tell us your experience with PTSD and, and, and how you got to doing what sure. you're doing now. Yeah, no, man. And I mean, for the record, I, I try to be as transparent as I can about this stuff, dude. So I've got nothing to hide. Um, I'm here talking with you today to try to help other people. So that, that's my thing is I don't have all the answers, but I'm just trying to share my story because again, I didn't know what was happening to me. And then once I found out, man, I felt broken. Mm -hmm. I felt alone, ashamed, embarrassed, you know, like being a fireman's pretty big machismo job. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, yep. and I've always considered myself to be a pretty tough dude. I mean, I'm the only one of my department that's run a 50 K and right. bodybuilding and all these things I've done in my life, you know? So, um, 
anyway, no, I'm 39 years old. Um, I'm from a small town in Florida, um, Fort Pierce, Florida. I'm on the East coast and, um, married. I've got four kids. I've been on the job almost 13 years now. And out of that, I've been a paramedic for about 12 of it. So the way that the majority of the fire departments operate here in Florida is we have ambulances as well. We call them rescue trucks. So we run all the medical stuff. So like where I'm at, we've got 17 firehouses and you've got engines, you've got ladder trucks, you know, we've got special operations, but every one of those firehouses has two, well, one rescue truck, but a lot of the houses have two rescue trucks because it's that busy here. Mm. So, um, yeah, anyway, um, I was working at the busiest firehouse in our department. I was a station one central firehouse. And, um, we average about 10,000 calls a year out of that one station. The whole department runs about 54, 56,000, something like that. And we're running about 10,000 out of there. So it's a, our average is anywhere from about 25 to 35 runs in 24 hours, Mm. seven days a week. And there's days where we've definitely logged more than that closer into the forties. So I guess it was last year sometime. I just noticed that, um, I just wasn't myself with the job. And and for the record, like I was the guy that was ate up with this. If there was overtime, I wanted it. I wanted to be at work. And when I wasn't at work, I was thinking about it. Like Mm -hmm. I, I went in every day. I wanted to just, I wanted to be busy, man. Like the more I could see, the more I could do, the more I could help. Like I was, I was ate up with classes, conferences, you know, just really into the job. Um, so this, this completely blindsided me. So, yeah, I just noticed that I was, um, not having that drive where I wanted to go to work really, you know, just like, Oh gosh, I don't want to go to work. And I have never, ever, ever felt that way about my job. You know, we, we have this thing in the fire service that we call it the best job in the world. It's known as the best job in the world to us. I mean, we love what we do. So I started just, um, kind of having a short fuse, just, um, having a temper, at home and at work, you know, and yeah. on my wife and kids, which wasn't cool. Um, so that carried on and it started to get a little bit worse. Mm. So I was, I remember one day I was coming back from a run. It was like two or three o'clock in the afternoon and it wasn't anything crazy, just a normal, you know, basic life support type of a run. And, um, pull back into the firehouse and I had to go on the side of the building. I, I just felt this, felt like I couldn't breathe and I felt just panicky and anxious and I started crying. Yeah. I, I broke down and started crying and I had no idea what triggered this. It wasn't like I've just seen something bad and I called my wife on the phone and like, I'm, I'm bawling my eyes out and and nobody knows everybody else is upstairs and I'm over on the side and I'm just like, I don't know what's going on, but I don't want to be here. I want to go home. Like I don't, I felt homesickness like you do when you're a little kid. Right. And it nailed me, man. So I sucked it up, went inside, acted like nothing was happening, put a smile on my face like I always do. And it continued from there mm. and just started getting more and more so to where I didn't want to be at work. Um, the guys started to kind of notice it a little bit. They were, they were like, man, you just you don't seem like yourself, bro. You seem, you seem kind of angry. Yeah. Um, so if you look in any medical like EMT or paramedic book, there's a term in there called burnout. Yeah. And that usually hits you, I think about eight years, 10, 12, whatever. So I was, that's what I thought I initially had. I was like, man, I guess I'm just burnt out. You know, I've always worked somewhere busy. I've right. always been to the busiest house I could find. So I kind of thought that's what it was. So I kept on working. I mean, months, months went by. I was like this. And then the symptoms started to get a little worse. Um, this only happened to me when I was at work. But like I said, we worked for 24 hours. Um, and if we're fortunate enough to maybe get a little bit of sleep, I wouldn't try to get in my bed until midnight or later where I work. Cause we would just keep running mm-hmm. and running. Well, I would lay down in bed. And, and again, this only happened at work. I started getting restless leg syndrome. Mm. And I mean, to the point where I couldn't sleep, it would drive me out of my mind. I'd have to get up out of my bunk. I'd go into the living room, sit in the recliner, just try to chill out. And I, and I couldn't figure it out and I'd watch TV or whatever, but, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep at work anymore, man. I, I couldn't sit still and I would go home and be fine. That's wild, I, I would not. Yeah. Wild. And, um, that's when I started was like, something's maybe there's a little more to this. Yeah. Um, when I got hired, 
I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I started in 2008. This type of stuff really wasn't talked about, man. This whole PTSD thing. Um, I was just told by my peers, you know, like, hey, man, you're, you're going to see some bad stuff, dude. Yeah. You're going to see some bad stuff. There's really not any way to prepare you for it. We're all different and everybody takes it in a, a certain way. So it was just kind of like, bro, just, just bury it, move on. It's part of life. We just do the best that we can. We're trained to the best of our abilities to, to try to intervene in these situations. So that's what I did. And, 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 you know, I'm not saying that like, if it was something really affecting you, you couldn't call one of your buddies or, right. or whatever, but that's kind of where maybe the alcoholism and stuff came in. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, and I, and it runs in my family, you yeah, know, and I, yeah. in high school and in college era, you know, I was a binge drinker with the boys and all that kind of thing. Right. But I just kind of noticed that with this job, a lot of the, a lot of the guys drank yeah. and, and pretty heavily. And I, that was something I noticed that I was starting to do more on my days off. And I, and, and I'm a very habitual person. I get up at every morning at the same time. I run usually the same places. My shoes go in the same spot. Well, the clock would hit 4.30 p.m. I'm in the kitchen. I'm trying to get dinner prepped and everything for me and the family. And then I start drinking beers. And, that, and as soon as I eat, boom, that's done, whatever. But it was every day. Yeah. yeah. It was every day. And that, that went on for a few years. Um, so that was another thing that I noticed yeah. is that my alcohol consumption was was starting to rise. Well, um, there's a couple of things you said there. You said you, you started in 2008. PTSD isn't mm-hmm. even a thing that you're talking about, that you're supposed to push it, push that down. And then, and then you say, well, a lot right. of these guys drank. Well, of course they did. I mean, you can't yep. see these things day in, day out. And, and if you're not dealing with it one way or the other, it, you're going to find, you're going to start self-medicating and figure out exactly how you're going to deal with it. And absolutely. Um, and that's, and that's what I, that's what I was doing, man. And I, and I don't want to get too graphic into the types of things we see, but I don't care how tough and macho you are. You go pull a lifeless eight-year-old kid out of a pool and you try to just, you know, he's gone, but you try to do everything you can to bring him back and, and right. car accidents and the, and the things that we see. Yeah. yeah, dude. And then you're just burying that stuff and, and not dealing with it because you don't know that you're, you're supposed to. And the, I, and to be honest with you, the term PTSD I thought that was a military term, man. I thought that was yeah. military veterans that just had their buddy blown up next to them and was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's right, totally, right. I get that. But what we're dealing with, no, I mean, yeah, we, we get thrown in some pretty gnarly environments with some of the house fires and even some of the wrecks, you know, you're out here on a busy interstate, people aren't watching and you've had guys getting hit and we try to do everything we can to avoid those situations. But, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, you're doing this job you're willing to lay it all on the line for a complete stranger. You know, that's, that's about yeah. as real as it gets. You, you kiss your wife and, and your kids goodbye because I don't like saying it, but on average about a hundred firemen die in the line of duty every year. So yeah. you just never know, man. I, I, I think one of the biggest problems is, is you can, you can say these things like, I don't care how tough you are. If you do a, B and C, you know, you're, you're dealing with accidents and, and, uh, kids that have passed and, that's not a level of toughness. You know right. what I mean? Like that, and, and unfortunately that's the way it's been looked at. Hey, are you, you're not tough enough to handle this. No, no, no. The, the, you're talking apples and oranges. You know, Absolutely. you can't control your brain. This isn't a thing of like how much pain I can take. Right. Um, we're wired a certain way. And, and I think even having kids, you know, your father, of oh, four, yeah. there's no way that these things will not affect you. So, uh, I, I think when that stigma, as that stigma goes away, from from it determining how tough you are and dealing with these things, I, the better because they are yeah. they are not one and the same. And it is improving. That is one thing I do want to be clear about. Yes, the the stigma, it is it is totally it's getting buried now, man. It's it's out mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, you walk in any of our firehouses now. I mean, you 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 walk. So we have like where all apparatuses park. So if you walk in there into the house, the the door to go in. There's a poster on the door about PTSD. You walk down the hallway. There's another one. There's one. I just noticed they put one in the bathroom the other day. It's all over the place. And I'm not the only one. I'm one of the first to really, I am the first one to go public with it from my department, but I'm not the first one. I mean, this is, this has been going on since guys started running calls. It's just, we didn't know. We didn't know what was, what was happening, but yes, the, 
the stigma with it, it is starting to go away. But yeah. again, when I first happened to me, I didn't know. And then once I was diagnosed with it, I was like, what the heck? Like, I felt like I got dropped on my head, dude. Like I, I really, like I said, when I talk about, I love this job, like I was on the list with the FDNY. I wanted to be a New York city fireman more than anything, you know, like mm-hmm. that's how much I love going to work and the people I work with and just, it's very fulfilling. So yeah, yes, I, I am. I am happy to say that we're, we're getting other things in motion now, like our department right before COVID hit. Um, and, and I'm so I'm just thankful these guys asked me, but we developed a peer support group. So after a bad call, the, the officers on scene can, can take you, take everybody that was on that call out of service and do, do a debriefing, like a critical incident, stress management or stress debriefing. And that is one tool, but we're looking further because the way that the mind and the brain works, this incident happens to you. It could take like 72 hours for you to fully process it. You know what I mean? So yeah. we're trying to look at the long-term thing uh, and, and, that, and we can get into all that too. Cause I, I'm kind of like a natural holistic type person. So I mm-hmm. found different tools that work for me um, that are, that are still helping. So that's, that's why I wanted to get involved with peer support and, and, like talking with you today to just try to put other info out there to, to help somebody that's struggling. How much do you think, uh, the military, since it, that's been out there as far as the PTSD, how much has been a bleed over to you guys in the, in the fire department? Really? I, do you think there would have been as, this much headway if, if things in the military hadn't been talked about the way that they have been? Man, I, I really don't think so. Um, mm. We follow a lot of what the, the military does. Our organization, it's paramilitary. You know, we've got officers and a rank structure, right. and you know what I mean? Right. And uniforms yep. and cleaning. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's been a big piece of it. Um, but the other thing is the fact that, like I said, usually around 100 guys die and gals. Yeah. There's a lot of women that we work with, too, that I just want to be clear about. Right. I'll work with anybody, man. And, mm-hmm. and I've worked some of the, some of the best, most in shape, fittest women around, yeah. you know, CrossFit, like, yeah, I work yep. with some really super good people, but, um, usually about a hundred firefighters die in the line of duty. And that can be just getting in a wreck. Sometimes there's volunteers that get in a wreck on the way to a call. A lot of heart, a lot of heart stuff, man. A lot of cardiac yeah. arrest stuff, house fires, whatever. Last year, the line of duty just dropped at 58, which is fantastic. That's the lowest it's been in a very long time. However, on the flip side of that, 119 firefighters took their own life. Wow. So I think that's what's really driving this now is we're seeing that in, in all first responders, I don't even know how many police officers did it to. I mean, it was, it's, yeah. it's a lot. Um, so I think what we're seeing now is we're seeing this, this suicide rate is, is going up. And I think that kind of brought some awareness to it too of holy crap, because it, with this job, we're known for having a super high divorce rate, super high, you know, substance abuse, and then the heart problems, you know, it's like being in the firehouse, we could be sitting just like this, you and I just having a conversation, you know, whatever, and your heart rates 50, 60 beats a minute, those tones drop and you hear something gnarly going man, you're ramped up to 120, 130 maybe. And you ain't, you ain't even left the station yet, man. You're just trying to get to the truck. And now do that, especially three, four, five, six times after midnight for 30 years. It wrecks your heart. It oh, wrecks, doubt. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that whole fight or flight thing, man. Yeah. When you're, when you're running on, on a high level like that on a regular basis, uh, yeah, that shit's, it's not healthy. No, <laughs> like, no. Yeah, and, 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 it, and I've mentioned this to some of the guys I work with. So I was on, I'm so fortunate that my department took care of me like they did, man. I'm so grateful for, for the St. Lucie County fire district, but they've now made a law in Florida to where this is considered workers comp. It wasn't, it wasn't before. So yeah, I was out on workers comp for a couple of months and my family and I were taken care of. And I'm super grateful for that because awesome. dude, when I say it got dark, it was the darkest time of my life. I mean, I was, yeah. I was in a bad way. So I'm grateful for the the opportunity that I was able to, to kind of heal and, and get back. Yeah. I, um, it's really strange the way you, you, your mind will mm-hmm. 
start showing you like, hey, I'm, I'm at a tipping point. Uh, something's got to change. For you, you said, you know, you had a breakdown. You started having something like restless leg syndrome that yeah. only happens at the fire department. Um, and I mentioned just because I, I had little signs along my path that, that were starting to, you know, there was, it was my brain telling me, uh, hey, you got to make a change. Something's got to yeah. change because this isn't working what you're doing right now. Um, and then the other thing, it's when your identity is wrapped up in something, like you exactly. said, you're an eight up fireman, you've got this identity. Yeah. And that same thing that is your identity is in, in a way killing you. you oh, know? for I mean, sure. Is, and that, that's a, that's a hard thing to wrap your, your brain around, especially when you're, you're in love with it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you love, you love being a fireman and at the same time, this thing is just slowly dragging you down. So well, no, and that, that whole identity piece I'm in therapy. I'm still in therapy. I've been in there for a year. Listen, yeah. we got, we got a lot of sessions wrapped up in identity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause I, yeah. I mean, yeah, when I say that's how I identified myself, I'm a firefighter, you know, like that's, mm -hmm. that's how much I was into it. So when I was out, I was like, there's no way I'm ever going back. I can't ever do this again. And having to accept that and wait, no man, like I'm not a fireman anymore. And Finally, you know, like through therapy, you know, my therapist is like, Rusty, you are you. That is your job. I know that you yes. think that that's who you are, but yeah. you are you. I am who I am. And that's that's right. it at the end of the day. So, I mean, I'm still not out of the woods with this. I've made it back yeah. on shift. You know, I've been back since uh, late January, early February, and I still have my good days and, and bad days, but I'm not out of the woods yet. And I've made peace with whatever path God has me on, either I stay and I, I crank out another 15 years or if that's it, man, you know, I, I really don't know, but either way, I just, I just keep showing up, you know, yeah. I keep showing up yeah. and I, I stopped pushing so hard because that was part of the darkness too of, you know, I've got a, I've got a pension. All my whole family's on my health insurance. You know, I've got sick leave. I've got vacation leave. I've got all this, the fire department has provided so much for me. I've got this huge network of brotherhood and sisterhood. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, dude, if you were that jacked up, I mean, you're, you're sick. This is an illness. You know, this is an injury. It's just yeah. a different type of injury. You know, bro, why didn't you just, why didn't you just quit? And it's like, <laughs> this, this has been so fulfilling and such a big part of my life for these, for all these years that, I couldn't just walk away, man. I had to, I had to heal. I had to get better and I had to make sure that this, that I, I had to make sure my mind was a hundred percent before I made a massive decision like that. Cause that's going to affect me for the rest of my life. Yeah. So yeah, man, I, I like I said, I'm not a hundred percent on everything as far as what's going to happen, but I'm at peace with, with whatever road I end up going down. I'll, I that, accept that. It. That's a positive side because you're dealing with that stuff now, that, that identity being wrapped up in something that, that seems so important. And this is the same reason a lot of people, when they retire from the military, uh, fire police, uh, they have some serious issues because yes. this thing that, that, that is in their mind, them is now gone and they don't even have the, the, the opportunity to go back. They've, they've done, yep. you know, they've, they've done their time and, and now it's over. And if you haven't figured out what the hell you are, what you stand for, what you're about other than this thing, right. um, and you are on an Island and that is, that's a scary place to be. So if there's any positive in, in that, in, you know, realizing that there's more to Rusty than, than the fireman. Um, right. And I get it because, you know, I, I've felt that way in positions I've, I've been in before and, and. You know, if you ask your kids, your wife, your friends, there's a hell of a lot more than the firemen. You know what I mean? There's, right. there's you, you, you wear a bunch of different hats. Um, and sometimes it, it's, it's tough to, to realize that when you're, when you're the, the, the person. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for a little while now. I've seen a lot of guys retire and you're absolutely yeah. right. You, you've been doing the same thing for 30 years. You've been getting up every third day and, you're there for 24 hours, man. That's a third of your life. You're with these people. That's a whole nother family. And all of a sudden you go to retire and these guys, they don't have a plan. And I feel, I feel for them because now that that becomes a struggle, 
You know, now mm-hmm. they're like, well, now what do I do? You know, I got my sense of worth from my job and the guys I worked with and this and that. So yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I, like I said, whatever happens, I'll be okay. You know, luckily I found yeah. running and I've got some hobbies and some other things to, to keep me going, but that's another side of it. And I've had a lot of guys tell me too, well, you know, man, I, I'm sorry that you went through that, but I just, I don't get it. You know, like I don't, I don't experience really? that. Yeah. But here's the thing. Since I put myself out there and kind of put my story out on my, on my Instagram thing, and I've had hundreds of people contact me and I'm not just talking about firefighters. I'm talking about people from all walks of life have, have yeah. contacted me with some type of struggle and, and whatever. You don't know when this is going to hit you. I've had dudes that have been retired for 10 years. I've had like old officers that have been retired for eight or 10 years. And that's when it hit them. They were fine throughout their career, but eight years down the road, those demons caught up to them. And now they've yeah. contacted me. Just want to chat, man. Just want to know what, what I did, what, you know, and, and, and I think just having that connection to just knowing that you're not alone. Cause that, that was a, a big part of my battle, man, is, I felt alone. I didn't know anybody that had gone through any of this. And, and like I said, the, the embarrassment and feeling ashamed and just, yeah, I got yanked off of my shift. You know, I got pulled from shift by my peers that I look up to and, and that hurt, you know, but they, yeah. they, they had to do that. You know what I mean? That, that had to be done. I was not well. Um, but that, that hurt yeah, that- the most because I wanted to be my, my officer's right-hand man. That's, that's what I mean. I want my chief, like if there was a special task, there was something that needed to be done. I wanted them to come to me. You know what I mean? So the fact that I wasn't well enough to, to perform my duty anymore, man, that, that, that hurt. And that took, that was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Sh- shame, shame is a bitch. Uh, yeah. I've, I've talked about it before and, and that goes back into you. You're talking about identity and ego and Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these guys come to you at, I mean, that's, that's kindness like that. They're, they're showing you kindness and, and sometimes it doesn't feel that way because shame rears her ugly head and, and, and you feel it's, you think it's a weakness. Um, I love the fact people are reaching out to you, man. Yes. I love the fact that you're doing this and people, f- they understand that there's, there's an, an open line of communication. There's people to contact. Um, because like you said, you know, when, when you, f- you first start breaking down and you, th- you, you feel like an Island, you, you know. I'm the one who's not strong enough. Um, right. Dude, that's such a facade. And I'm, it's, it's awesome. People are, are, are comfortable enough to, to start talking about it. Yeah, man. And, and, and I remember um, the, the night that it happened. So backing up just a little bit about, I'd say probably about three weeks before I got pulled off duty. Um, we had a guy that him and his wife, and again, I won't try to get too graphic with this, but him and his wife got into an argument mm-hmm. and he took out a shotgun. He grabbed hold of her and he put it to his, his head and he tried to kill himself with the shotgun and he, mm-hmm. he shot himself in the head and fell on top of her. She couldn't get away from him. So she finally was able to call 911. Well, I wasn't the initial ambulance, the initial rescue truck on that call. Our engine went, our chief, our FTO, like everybody went. So now I'm still at the firehouse waiting for the next run to come in. Well, they ended up calling me out there for the wife who obviously was extremely distraught. So mm-hmm. I get there, crazy chaotic scene, man, police everywhere, just nuts. Right. So I'm trying to get her in the truck. She's balling. She's got his blood all over her, man, all over her face. She's just super upset. So I'm a pretty compassionate guy and, and, and empathy. And I have a really good bedside manner. That's probably one of my mm-hmm. biggest attributes as a medic, you know, I'll try to mm-hmm. just treat this as this is their emergency. And let me try to just do the best I can in this situation to make to comfort. So yeah. I get her in the back of the truck and, you know, just checking her vital signs. I'm trying to get her cleaned up, you know, and she's yeah. balling and balling. So Next to the stretcher, we have a bench seat, and that's usually where you sit and you start an IV on someone, you put them on the heart monitor, all that kind of stuff. Well, behind them, behind the head of the stretcher is a captain's chair. With her crying, it, it I don't know, man, just looking at her and seeing what she went through, I started to lose it. I had to yeah. sit down in the chair behind her, and I started crying, and that that's when it hit me that I'm not all right, man. Like, yeah. I can't. I can't perform my job. I, I'm supposed to be here to help and to comfort. And now I'm a mess. Now I'm losing yeah. it. And that's when it started to, to build up to the point to where I was like, dude, I got to find a new job. And probably a couple shifts later, 
it finally came to a head. My, my officer, he, he'd been known, he knew something wasn't right with me. Right. And, um, my wife and I were about to have another baby and all I was trying to do was make it till the, around the due date because I took a month off and I was like, dude, I got two shifts left, two shifts mm-hmm. and it'll all be good. I can go home for a month and get my head clear, you know? Right. And I didn't make it. I, um, I said some things that, um, really caught my officer off guard and they pulled me up into the office and, um, they sat me down and we started talking about this stuff. He had done a little research on PTSD, um, the IAFF, the International Association of Firefighters, have got a whole thing on the website about this. So they looked at me, and my chief is like the head of the peer support groups, another awesome guy, and he's just like, Rusty, it's okay to not be okay, man. You're not okay, but we're going yeah. to get you feeling better. And that was it. I went awesome. home that night, dude, awesome. and I was out for a few months. Never thought I was coming back. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that – the same reason, and I'm, I'm speculating, um, the same reason that they call you out to, to help people and, and because you can show empathy and you've got a good bedside manner, it's probably the same reason you soak this stuff up more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you can show empathy and, and it, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that's a legit thing because you're, you're putting yourself in their shoes. You, you are. There's a term that I just heard the other day called compassion fatigue. And we all kind of mm. laughed about it, but it's like in a way – as cold as it sounds, you have to distance yourself a little bit, man. You can't mentally get wrapped up in every single one of these emergencies or you're not going to be able to function. And that's one thing I've kind of learned through the process is just get in there, do a good job, help them the best that you can. And you got to move on. You can't hang on to all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that sounds like uh, one of those things that's easier said than done. Totally. Um, So, what were you feeling at the time? Um, they, they tell you, Hey, look, it's okay to not be okay. You go home. What does that look like? What does that feel like? I mean, at this point, like where are you in your headspace? It was the biggest relief off of my shoulders. Really? Massive, massive wow. man. So when I say I worked at the busiest firehouse, I was there for the fires, for the carnage, for the mayhem. Like I wanted, if something was going down in the city, I wanted to go. I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to help. I got to the point to every time the tones dropped, I prayed that it wasn't something legitimate. I I wanted it to just be somebody complaining of something that was just a super easy, just a nice little ride to the hospital, you know, or even on the engine. So we're all cross-trained as firefighter EMT at least, but most of us are firefighter paramedics. So we rotate Mm -hmm. between riding on the engine, the ladder trucks and the rescue trucks. So every time it was my time on the rescue, man. Yeah. I was super just anxious and just praying that it wasn't going to be anything. So that was the first thing that set in was just this huge wave of relief of dude, I don't, I don't have to make those decisions anymore. I don't have to make these split second life changing decisions. I don't have to see anything bad anymore. Um, so that felt great in the beginning, but then the, the embarrassment, the feeling ashamed and I hid, I hid man, like taking my kids to school in the morning. I always drive past my firehouse. I wouldn't even look at it. I wouldn't even look, I didn't look at it for like four months. I wouldn't even look at it. The guys are calling me, wanting me to come by because the people on my shift knew, but what was really cool is, is my chief was like, listen, man, you're about to have a baby. So we're not going to say anything as to why you're out. We're just going to say you're Mm -hmm. out on, on paternity leave. So it was just like hidden. Right. And so if I saw the guys in the grocery store shopping, I turned and went the other way. I completely just removed myself from anything fire department related, man. Um, and I, I kept saying over and over, I'm never going back. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, what that did was drive me in the darkness and in the hole even further because now, yeah. well, what am I going to do? You know, this is all I really want to do. This is, you know, I've had a lot of different jobs in my life, but nothing has been fulfilling and satisfied me like this. So I'm like, well, now what am I going to do, bro? I, got, I'm, I just had another baby. You know, how am I going to provide for my family? My wife works a lot too, but yeah, dude, it, it was, it was pretty heavy to, to say I'm done with this that I had planned on doing 30, 35 years. And okay. So where do I pick up the P I started working on like my real estate license. I'm like, I don't even know what, what I'm doing now. So yeah. that was tough. Yeah, that, 
Yeah, that's identity in a couple of different ways because yeah. you've got this job you look at, and then you got this thing that you know you're the the, the um, you know the father, the husband that's helping provide. You know, and and when that the thought of that being gone too, that's that's a whole yeah. another level to it. Uh, you mentioned you, you're part of this process has been seeking out some holistic uh, uh, treatment or practices. What are some of the things that you find has been helpful for you? Man, I mean, right off the top, meditation and breath work. So mm. I'm a big, uh, I, lo- I love to read. So if I see a book, boom, I'll order it. And I might not get to it for six months. I got tons of them on my, my shelf over here, but I love to read. I spend a lot of time on YouTube. Uh, my wife makes fun of me all, you know, about it all the time. But yeah, I found uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza um, uh-huh. and, and got into some meditation through him. And, and I butcher this guy's name every time, Deepak Chopra, Chopra. Yep, yep, He's yep. got some good guided meditations. So I started trying to do that in the morning, um, and, and I'm a spiritual guy as, as well. Um, uh-huh. So some, my morning prayers and meditation, that was huge. And then uh, I found breath work, and breath work is huge, man. Uh, I mean, it's, it's life. Breath is yeah, life. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk about that because it's, it's funny that you even mentioned that. So before I came on with you, um, I follow uh, Wim Hof. Oh yeah, uh, I know Wim Hof's method. <laughs> so, so I was, uh, I said, hey, I got this podcast at ten. I said I'm going to go do that crazy breathing thing because she walked downstairs and I was down there breathing. She's like, what the hell? What are you, are you doing? doing? So, uh, <laughs> she's like, who is this guy? And he's he's insane. Like if you watch yep. a video of him, he looks and sounds so oh, yeah. insane. Um, but I've been doing it and, and I actually did the, the, um, I don't know, ice, I'm not doing ice baths yet, but a cold shower. Yep. Um, and I'm finding it really helpful. I'm finding hundred percent. And you know, I, I kept, I preference it when I tell other people, like, I don't know if it's bro science or not, but for whatever reason, it seems to be working for me. Yeah. Um, and no. these are the, these things are great that you're even talking about meditation, breath work again, in the world of first responders, military, these are not the things that first come up. You know no, I mean? like, no. And, and, and speaking of that, um, and again, like I said, I want to be as transparent as possible about this. The doctors are just trying to do their job, man. I had to see a psychologist, psychiatrist and all, all of the stuff. They wanted to put me on medication that immediately yep. you need to be on an SSRI. You know, I, I took all of these tests, um, you know, to try to, to, to pinpoint what was going on with me. And this is another thing I wanted to say too. Um, I had to fill out these questionnaires. on on like my symptoms. And Mm -hmm. one of the questions about halfway through on every single one of these tests was, are you having suicidal thoughts? And, and the answer is yes. Yes, I totally Mm -hmm. was. But the next follow-up question on every one of them was, did you plan anything? And the answer is no, no, I never Mm -hmm. planned anything. I I, thank God I never got to that point. You know what I mean? I was, I was, I was in a bad way, but I, I never got there. So they were trying to push the SSRIs on me. Um, the first one they put me on was Zoloft and dude, that stripped away any and every emotion I have inside of my mind and, and soul. And I stared at the ceiling for, for five days and it was bad. It scared my wife. And I was like, I'm not here. I said, I'm not taking this anymore. And I just stopped taking it, which probably wasn't a good idea, but I just stopped. And then they, right. they put me on Lexapro, which supposedly has no side effects or whatever. I've been a get up at 4.30, 4.45 in the morning and go run type of guy for a few years now. Mm-hmm. That stuff, when I got up in the morning, I felt like I got run over by a bus, dude. Like I wow. would struggle to get up at 7 a.m. I stopped running. I put on some weight. Like I, I was, it was bad. And I did that for about mm-hmm. three months and I stopped. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just me, like my mindset, like I just was like, this isn't going to work and I don't want to be on it. And, and maybe I did that to myself. I don't know. Yep. But yes, the, the, the natural side of me started searching for something else. And I, I found Wim Hof after I blew my shoulder out. And um, yeah, man, I, I've been big into his breath work. Um, I'm going to turn, I've got a deep freezer out here and I'm getting ready to get Dude. some Marine 5200 and <laughs> seal that thing up. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to make my own ice bath. I've been talking about it for a while. Um, cool. Yeah, there's science behind all of that stuff, dude. But yeah, like something easy with the breath work, and this is back from centuries in the um, Japanese culture. If you do a four-second easy inhale up through your nose, you don't have mm-hmm. to hold it, but you can. But a longer exhalation of like six seconds. Just do a couple cycles of that, man. Just do six or ten of them. And you can do it when you're going down the road. 
it drops your heart rate. It brings your blood pressure down. You know, if you're getting ready to go in for an interview for a job, anything like that, it totally calms you. And I'll, I'll do it while I'm driving down the road. Next thing I know, I've been doing it for like five minutes and I, I totally forgot that I was doing it. I'm like, wow, man, I feel so much better. So yeah, yeah, yeah. those have been huge. Yeah. That's, that's awesome because, uh, that, that again is stuff, um, either between Rogan or there's just a lot of yes. people talking about these things. And, and it's, again, it's bleeding over into these, these, uh, types of people, these, these type a personalities right. that are, are using this stuff now instead of, um, you know, and, and when you mentioned the V the, the VA and, and how good they've been about PTSD. And, and I agree with that, but I've also been talking to a lot of people is, um, they haven't gotten that far on the holistic side. Right. They're still throw, throwing pills. And I get it. They, I mean, their heart's in the right place. Right. They, and that's, they want, they want yeah, exactly. And that's what I was trying to say is like, you know, I'm not, I'm not hating on the, the right, medication right, right. route. And I know that helps a lot of people. Yeah. It just really didn't for me. And that might've been my mindset. So I had to find something that really resonated with me and, and the breath work and meditation, the running, man, just, just go outside, go get some sunlight, get in nature. If you can get some fresh air, all this stuff, it's free. It doesn't even cost yeah. you anything. It's free. And it, it's, yeah. it's been crucial. You know, the, the, the name of this podcast, The Consequence of Habit, I mean, you've already just said these, these things that you've picked up that have, have had great consequences. And, and like you said, you don't need a prescription for it. The right. stuff is there. Um, sometimes it's just that discipline of action to, to follow through with it. Um, and that's something I'm, you know, I'm still, still working on. But um, hey, let's get into your photography. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, when I, I think, how did I, I saw something because I done, I had done the podcast with Taylor Spike and you had commented something on there and I said, who's, you know, I, who is this? And I looked and it's, all I see is this amazing photography. <laughs> and then I see this fireman stuff mixed in with it, which again, that is, that is not the norm. You don't, no. you know, that, that art side of things, uh, uh, with somebody who's gung-ho firefighter, uh, you're a bit of a unicorn. So, oh, so explain, yeah. explain how that, that came to be. And, uh, yeah, I, um, so I used to, my, my first, uh, fire department I worked for was Brevard County. And I was there for seven years before I came here where, um, where I'm currently at. Um, so it was a long commute. I didn't move up there. So I worked on Merritt Island, which is uh, around the area where the space shuttle used to go off or where SpaceX or whatever, Kennedy space center. So you've got cocoa, cocoa beach. Um, it's beautiful up there. So our shift change up there was 7am. So I'd get off work. Um, and even backing up just a little bit, I just by chance got into photography. Um, I don't, I still, to this day, I, I've never taken any classes. Um, I really don't even know how to use the manual settings on my camera. Like it's, it's terrible. I started out with like a iPhone four. Mm -hmm. There's a fireman, uh, Camden, New Jersey fireman, uh, Gabriel and Jemmy that I've been friends with on Facebook forever. And he posted a, a link. Just, gosh, it's probably been 10 years ago now on his Instagram account. This was when Instagram was brand new and I didn't know what it was. And I clicked on it and it was just like pictures of Camden, New Jersey. And I've always loved architecture and, and buildings and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I asked my wife, you know, what is Instagram? So she like downloaded the app on my phone and that was it. And mm -hmm. I just started kind of taking some pictures. Um, it didn't really go anywhere, but there was one morning where I got off shift and I drove over to Cocoa beach. And when that sun was first coming up, cause you know, that's, that's right on the Atlantic ocean. There's a lot of bright colored buildings there. Ron John surf shop. It's people have known it all over the world. It's it seems like they paint that place year round with just bright colors, man, blue and orange and whatever. So the way that the sun hit that and then kind of created shadows in some of the awnings and whatever, I was like, Oh my gosh. So I took photos of just the different angles. I've always seen just lines and planes and angles in my head. Mm -hmm. And I just started kind of putting that together and I, I put it out on Instagram and like, I mean, man, it, it took off. Like it just blew up. People were like, this is amazing. Um, yeah, so I got in kind of with a, a group of artists on there that, you know, it, it was fun. It was, it was a lot different than the, the, the algorithm and all the, I'll be honest, I don't like what they've done with it now. I feel like they've kind of ruined it. It was just way more organic back in the day. It just seemed, yeah. seemed like, yeah, I had a lot more friends and that I've socialized a little bit on there with, but anyway, Instagram placed me on the, uh, suggested user list for like a month and my account just exploded from there and. 
I've done interviews with like featured shoot wired magazine. That was, that was a pretty, yeah. Wired put me in there a couple of years ago. And from there it expanded. Um, and I actually had my first solo exhibition at the AE Bacchus gallery in downtown Fort Pierce. So for me, that's a, that's a huge deal. Anybody from this area knows the highwaymen and, and AE Bacchus. Like it's, it's, it was a huge deal, especially to have your own solo exhibition, and there was people that came from all over to see that. So, um, just, just to be clear, this is all stuff you shot with your phone. I have a camera now. I've had a camera for a few years, but I started okay. out with my phone. And the the reason why I went to the camera is because a lot of it had to do with this show. So I didn't know anything about file size and all of this. Well, when you start trying, cause people started asking me for prints. I was like, right. Oh, okay. Well this <laughs> was shot with some busted iPhone and like, you know, yeah, you can only go so big with it or it starts to get distorted. So right. even the camera now I have a Canon. It's just like a T three eyes. It's nothing crazy. I, I do need to upgrade that as well because I've even found with the camera, you can only go so big again with these files. I've got some, some pretty decent sized 30 by 30 photos that are printed on metal and they look amazing with the color. Wow. So yeah, it, it expanded from the phone to that. Um, and then I, I ended up getting in with um, this this lady that has a, a company called Social Media Art Gallery, and she's out of Hamburg, Germany. And she said, hey, you know, would you like to work with me? And I said, sure. So she's had a couple shows in Germany with some of my stuff, and then she's wow. she's flown all over, man. She's gone to Stockholm, Sweden. She went to South Africa. I met her in New York, and we met at the Affordable Art Fair, and I had photos on display there. So, very cool. I never in a million years thought it would would blow up to to what it has. So, yeah, I've been very fortunate. Uh, just to switch topics, the you know, I asked this to somebody yesterday. Um, if you could have run into after the you've what you've gone through uh, in the past couple of years, um if you could give advice to, to the, to the, the fireman that broke down on the side of the building, um, and didn't know what was going on, what, what, what would you tell that, that fireman? Be kind to yourself. Mm. You know, I, I have this huge mentality of, it's like, I can't get enough done in a day, man. I get up early, you know, I run every day. I do all of these things and I push and I push and I push there's times where you just take it easy on yourself. You know what I mean? And, and just know that you're not alone. You're, there's nothing to be ashamed of. We're, we're human beings and seeing the things that we see, it's okay for it to affect you. It's because you care. It's because you yeah. care about your fellow man. So there's nothing to be ashamed of. So that'd probably be the biggest thing. Cause that's something that I, I struggled with for a long time. I've, I spent a lot of time letting go of, of worrying about what everybody else thinks. Just be yourself and stop worrying about what everybody else thinks. I promise you they're not all talking about you like you think they are. People have too much going on in their own lives. Yeah. And, and, and even I've had things where, where, you know, anytime you start to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be, to some people, that's low-lying fruit, right? They can, they can poke at it. Um, especially maybe in a group setting, but like you said, the amount of people that reach out to you when it's yeah. just you and them and say, Hey man, I'm going through the same stuff or I'm using substances to, to try and escape yep. what's going on in my head. And I, and I like the narrative that, that toughness is the, are, are the people that can say, Hey, I have a problem and I'm willing to do something about it because to me it's, it's, I shouldn't say it's weak, but it's in short term, it seems easier to push that stuff down. Yeah. I guess going to therapy, um, talking about this stuff, man, it's not easy. No, it's work. It's work. Yeah. You know, I've gone through a therapy session or, uh, a 12 step meeting or something like that. And I am fucking exhausted mm-hmm. afterwards. I'm done. I mean, I feel like I just ran 10 miles. Yeah. I, I, the, the type of therapy I'm doing, it's, I think it's called rapid resolution trauma therapy or something like that. And 
I've called my therapist later on and, and told her like the next day, I'm like, man, I had a raging headache like hours after. And that's not something she said that usually happens to most people, but I'm like, well, I feel like we did something because I don't ever, ever get headaches ever. And I've had it happen multiple times after our, our sessions of, of going through some of this trauma. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're right, man. I, I come home like wiped out from some of those, from, from the mental drain or dump or whatever that we've done in there. Yeah. 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 My, my, I've just had recently had a therapist. Um, we got done with what I consider a, a really heavy kind of session. She's like, just go home, be kind to yourself and you're going to sleep like a baby tonight. And she yep. was dead on, man. I was hundred like, percent done. hundred percent. Yeah. Get we've gone through some down. of these calls and, and yeah, there's, there's nights, um, that another one of the symptoms I had was night sweats. Horrible horrible night mm-hmm. sweats the point where I have to get up out of my bed and like soaking wet and sleep on the wow. couch. Um, and that's, that's chilled down or chilled out a little bit. Um, so that has cleared up a little bit, but yeah, man, just the restless, you know, not sleeping. And then finally going through some of this sleeping like I should be, <laughs> I've missed yeah, that. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I hope that people hear this or they hear your story or other people's story and, and realize, uh, one, like you said, PTSD is not just military. PTSD is not just firemen, law enforcement. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's post-traumatic. So anyone yeah. who's gone through these things and is feeling them, uh, please do not feel, I, you know, I, I think there's other people who go, I, I can't have that because I'm not I, one of right. these jobs. Uh, you're wrong, man. It, it affects any and everybody. Um, so the, the emotional brain, it's developed from like the third trimester until the age of six or seven. So pretty much everybody has some sort of childhood trauma. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it affects any and everybody. And, you know, I battle some depression and things like that throughout my life. So you have around, I think it's about 70,000 thoughts a day. 90% of those are from the day before. So, man, if you feel yourself in the hole and, and something's not right, try to try to figure it out maybe. You know, try to just become aware, become present mm-hmm. of what's going on and, and try to work through it. And that's that's one thing I've I've gotten out of this is I'm just – I'm more aware now, man. I'm, I'm more just present. I work on today, quit worrying about what I'm going to have in the future and just, just be yeah. happy now. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good advice. Uh, Rusty, if – if somebody wants wants to uh, see your artwork, where can they uh, where can they see it? The best place is Instagram. It's Rusty FD nine twelve. Um, you can shoot me an email to Rusty Wiles nine hundred at Gmail. But yeah, man, I'm I'm most I I have like my own personal Facebook page, but I'm most active on Instagram. Um, okay. Shoot me a DM or something if you've got any questions or you want to chat, man. I respond back to everybody. But yeah, that's probably the easiest. And, and not to put you in the spot, because if you don't, don't know the answer to this, just email me afterwards. But if someone's struggling, if you've got someone of first responders, they're struggling maybe with some PTSD, um, if, if they're not comfortable just going to their own department, do you know of any resources, anything they can hit up? Yeah. So the, I don't know off the top of my head what the National Suicide Hotline is, but most departments have EAP, Employee Assistance Program, and mine, okay. mine was great. So that's where I started. And, and okay. my officer helped me with it, but also um, the IAFF has a facility in Maryland. Um, it's like a 64 bed facility and it is strictly for firefighters that are battling substance abuse, depression, anxiety, any type of mental health or whatever. If you need it, they're there. And from what I've been told, like the doctors and the nurses, in order to work there, they had to go to the job and go run calls with us so they can really see what we're seeing in order to, to help you. So from what I've been told, man, that place is like almost at capacity all the time. Guys have been wow. using it up. So that's, it's great. That's huge. I, I, I love the fact that they have to do that because there is something about talking to your peers, at least yeah. somebody you can go, Hey, they, they actually get me. Exactly. Um, so. That's very cool. Hey, man, we wish you all the luck in this marathon. I'm, I'm really, I'm really <laughs> stoked to see, to see you finish this thing and just the amount of awareness it's going to bring to, to what you're doing and the cause. Uh, good luck on the hundred uh, K and dude, we're going to be following you. Awesome. JT. Thanks so much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you, Rusty. See you, bud. All right. That was good. feels good to be back. That was, that was the exact conversation I needed to have. 
it's guys like Rusty, uh, people that are doing this for really the, the, the right reasons. And that's to, to help others. That's, that's what I need to, um, these are the people I need to have on and, and keeps me grounded, keeps me exactly where I need to be. So thanks Rusty. Please check him out. Uh, check out his Instagram page. Um, I, I, I'll be posting updates uh, as he's getting closer to the marathon. Cause we want to, I really want to make sure that his message gets out. And uh, plus, you know, who doesn't want to see a guy run a marathon and, and, uh, and 70 pounds of firefighting gear, please like subscribe. Um, give me a rating. I don't care if it's good, bad. Just let me know how I'm doing. If I'm being inconsistent, which I know I have, but call me out on it. I need it. I need, uh, I need accountability. So thanks for checking me out and we will see you. Oh, we got like, I've got like three of these lined up already recorded everybody. So uh, hopefully I don't fall into the same, same problem I, I, I have in the past couple of weeks. So, um, uh, thanks for checking it out and I will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.